0: It's amazing to me how many people desire to grow in their walk with God Regardless of where they are in the journey So they ask for more faith Many people pray for it Other people say if I come to church maybe I'll just serendipitously get it However the scripture is very clear about how we get more faith So then faith comes by hearing And hearing by the word of God as Romans chapter 10 verse 17 reminds us so our prayer for you as you hear this message is that your faith would go from where it is to where God intends it to be. Grow as you hear this word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, that is, that is our prayer. That is our desire, is that you would speak Holy Spirit to us, that you would open the ears of our hearing, that you would open the eyes of our understanding that we might, Jesus, be conformed to your image. Thank you so much for the word of God. No matter what's happening in our lives or what's happening in the world around us, we have a surety, we have a certainty that you change not, and that your word is established forever. So God, would we put our trust and would we put our faith not in things that change, not in things that are unstable, but would we put our trust and our faith in you and in the word that you've given to us. God, would you speak to us today that we might, God, again be all that you've created and we'll be so careful to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in the name that is above all others, in the matchless and the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all that agreed with that said, Amen, and Amen, and Amen. Hallelujah. What a mighty God, what an awesome savior. Uh, Let's just dive right into the word of God, if you would. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 19, Revelation chapter 19. And as we're turning to that, let me just say how grateful I am to our music ministry. I mean, really. Uh, I was on the phone with some pastors from our denomination, and I didn't even know this, but Dwayne, our drummer, uh, he plays at a church of a friend of mine who pastors our Life Church Southfield, and he said, listen, man, I don't, know, I don't know who your musicians are, but you have the most godly musicians in Metro Detroit. That's what he said to me. You have the most godly. Let me tell you something. For pastors who know about musicians— Uh, For them to say that and for him to say that is a big deal, because most musicians, you all, they play their part, and they check out until it's time for them to come back and gig again, and not our ministers of music. They actually sit under the word, they love Jesus, and they follow him. So would you just give God glory, church? I know you all out there, but would you just praise God for our music ministry, really? Because you know what? Listen, let me just say this, and this is not in in the sermon. Um... Pastors, preaching teachers, we get the credit a lot, right, for spiritual growth in the church. Um, But yet we call ministers of music ministers. But none of us pray for them like they're ministers. And none of us treat them like they're ministers. And none of us hold them in high esteem. Listen, none of us fight the devil for them like you fight the devil for me. Because you believe that if Pastor carries where he needs to be, then he'll help me grow in the Word. He'll help me do this and that. Let me tell you something. They are just as significant as I am as it comes to the Word of God. They're not preaching it in Word, but they're preaching it in notes, and they're preaching it in melody, and they're preaching it with lyrics. And you all, we cannot minimize the music ministry in churches. Because when we do that, we force them to go to the world that will honor them and recognize their gifts far more than the Church of Jesus Christ does. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? They show up with as much attack as I do. They show up with as much demonic onslaught as I do, and they push through it in spite of, and unfortunately, we don't Lay on our face before God for them like we do for our pastors and for those in pulpit ministry. And we need to really shift that. And I pray that those of y'all that are listening in our church would actually begin to do some coursework and some education on that to our people so that we can begin to understand that. All right, I just thought I'd throw that out. But listen, just a, I'm proud of y'all. Uh, I, I, I think I lost some buttons that day on my shirt uh, when he was talking about our, our music folk. I'm like, yeah, they are kind of cool, right? And I'm like, and they mine. I'm just letting you know that, brother. Don't, don't, don't have me go uh, west side with you. Because, you know, you, know, you, be, you know, he's talking about, yeah, man, they just so godly and they so awesome, man. I'm like, yeah, I know that's right, but they're also mine, so uh, I know how to fight. You know, I put some Vaseline on my face, and uh, we can go there. So anyway, praise God. Uh, Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Re- Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Let me read that verse again. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given to her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I want to talk from the topic today. What are you wearing to the wedding? What are you wearing to the wedding? If I could put a sub subject to this, it would be spiritual gifts and its place in Revelation or spiritual gifts in the book of Revelation. You all, we just completed last week a talk about a weird place for a hallelujah. As a matter of fact, you may not know this, but the only time the word hallelujah is mentioned in all of the New Testament is found in the book of revelation you are hallelujah is primarily an old testament word which means praise the lord and in the midst of all that was happening in the world uh, as relates to the antichrist and his rule and the unbelievable judgment of god the wrath of god that had been poured out not only on humanity but even under the on the earth itself which has been contaminated by sin and we see getting ready to happen in the future in a few more chapters the final battle of the battle of Armageddon and the thousand year reign. Uh, we see all those things yet to come, but in the middle of this, we kind of get a, uh, a trailer, like in a movie, uh, a, a, a sneak preview of what's to come in the end. And we see this word, hallelujah, being lifted in these first few verses. But then, you all, it shifts in verse 7, and it says, uh, not only give hallelujah and rejoice for all that God is, but let us rejoice and give him glory. Why? For the wedding of the Lamb has come. The wedding of the lamb has come. You all, I'm holding a couple of wedding invitations that I have here because any of you all know that whenever you've been invited to a wedding, uh, it's a big deal for the couple. As a matter of fact, they desire that if you attend, you are RSVP, especially if you're going to be going to the reception and eating up their food. They want to know how many people to plan for. And so you all, uh, weddings are very significant. Uh, And and people have asked the question, well, what are they going to serve at the wedding supper of the lamb? Are they going to have some ribs? Uh, Are they going to have some, you know, uh, some finger food? What what is the wedding supper of the lamb going to consist of? And I love what Charles Swindoll said about it. He said, it's not about what's on the menu, but it's about the master. Uh, Marriages are significant in every culture. Every civilization uh, honors this, uh, uh, this proven and time-tested, uh, really sacred gift from God of two individuals coming together in holy matrimony, man and woman, to be married. But the Bible tells us uh, that it also is significant. Why, why is this? Because it also re- reflects the relationship between God and his people. Uh, Wedding and marriage symbolizes God and his people. The first miracle of Jesus, you all, you remember it. It was performed, you all, actually uh, in a wedding feast. But look at Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't mind, would you turn to it with me? Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 verse 25 and listen you all I know that our church probably put scriptures up on the screen for you but I've said it before and I know that you are at home now please get used to looking up scriptures on your own please do that. You all, please get used to doing that. Uh, I pray that those that are watching by way of the internet, uh, those of you that do not have a Bible downloaded on your phone, don't really know that much about the Bible and familiar with it, then please uh, let us help you out with the screenshots that are coming up with the scriptures. But for those of you that are avid Bible readers, why don't you just turn in your own Bibles, whether you're using a digital device or using a paper Bible, so that you can become more acquainted with that, all right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Ephesians 5 and 25, listen what it says Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So in this discourse, we opens up the chapter uh, talking about wives. This is the way that you honor your husbands, or this is the way that you show reverence to your husband. Then he turns around and spends a lot of time saying, okay, husbands, these are the way that you're supposed to treat your wife and honor your wife. But look at what it says, if you don't mind, if you would just go down a, 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 another couple of verses here, uh, Ephesians 5 and, and 32. Ephesians 5.32. Listen what it says. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. All right. He's saying, I- I'm talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife and how the husband is to treat the wife, and how the, the wife is to treat the husband. He says, but don't get it confused. I'm really helping you all understand that this image or this picture of this relationship is really one of Christ and the church. God uh, uses marriage, and he uses this idea of marriage As the example of God's relationship with his people. Now in the Jewish tradition you all a person can be betrothed or another word for us would be engaged to someone and it may take a long time for that husband or for that betrothed one to come and to marry the wife. And that would mean that the church of Jesus Christ, those of us that have accepted him, we are married or we're betrothed to him, but the actual wedding event has not happened yet. Well, Pastor, when will it happen? I'm so glad you asked. It happened right here in Revelation chapter 19. The Bible tells us, you all, that in Revelation 19, finally, you all, the marriage supper of the Lamb has happened. All right, let's go back to the text. Revelation 19, verse 7. Let us rejoice and give him glory. Why? For the wedding of the Lamb, the Lamb being Jesus, who the wedding of the Lamb, the church being the bride, has come. And who is the bride? That would be us, right? Listen, look up this way. The bride of Christ would be you and me. It would be those of us who have acknowledged and accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We are the church, all right? His bride has made herself Ready. All right. Pause right there. How many of y'all have ever seen a bride making herself ready? Listen, you all. Any bride that's getting ready for a wedding day is looking at what kind of wedding dress is going to dress is going to have? What kind of shoes is she going to wear? Uh, what kind of diet is she going to get on? Maybe to get into those things. I mean, all what kind of hairstyle? All those things, right? It's a big deal for the bride uh, to make sure. Listen, to make sure that as she stands before her betrothed, as she stands before her. Uh, husband to be, that she is presenting herself, right, what, the best way that she can. Well, you and I, we are the church of Jesus Christ, and one day we will be married to the lamb, and the question is, uh, how then can we make ourselves ready? What, what does it look like for a ready bride to stand before a groom, right? Uh, verse 8 answers that. fine linen, fine linen. Uh, bright and clean. Uh, I've never been to a, wor- a wedding where you seem seen dingy and dirty. Uh, I, you, I mean, I, you may have one like that. I mean, but 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 people are bringing their A game to the wedding, right? Uh, and usually, usually now, even if it's <laughs> even if it's unjustified, they usually wear white. I, I went to one wedding I said, you should be wearing like cream, eggshell, uh, maybe even black uh i mean i mean serious i've been in some ways where i'm like okay this is your how many times you, you just don't need to be wearing all right but bottom line fine linen bright and clean right you want to put your, your best foot forward it was given to her to wear so in other words the adornment we're talking about the, listen we're talking about the, the final time where god's people are now what meeting up with christ no longer separated, no longer betrothed, no longer engaged, but now married, and the marriage supper has, has occurred. And what are we wearing? We're wearing this bright, clean linen given to us. Well, where, what is that linen? What, what kind of, do we got to go to Nordstrom's? Do we have to go to a special bride shop to get this? Where do we get this linen? This is the heart of the message. Watch this now. Fine linen stands for... Watch this now. The righteous acts of God's holy people. Listen, the the fine linen that adorns the bride of Christ, what is that? It is the righteous acts of God's people. You all, God wants everybody to be a part of that ceremony. It's not the will of God that anybody not be a part of that celebration. As a matter of fact, turn to Matthew's gospel if you don't mind. Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. I'm reading from the Amplified uh, Classic Version, so it may read differently, maybe in the version that you are using. For many of you all that have been following along for these past several months, you may notice that I'm alternating quite a bit between the New International Version and the Amplified Classic edition or version. I'm finding a lot. The Classic basically takes the original language of the Scripture, in the Old Testament it was Hebrew, in the New Testament it was Greek, and inserts that and in all of the nuances sometimes of the text that the literal translations that we read in the NIV and others don't always give, and so that's why sometimes I read that amplified version because it gives a little bit fuller context to it, all right? But Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables or stories, comparisons, stories used to illustrate and explain, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son and sent his servants to summon those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they refused to come. And he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, Behold, I've prepared my banquet. My bullocks and my fat calves are killed, and everything is prepared. Come to the wedding feast. But they were not concerned and paid no attention. They ignored and made light of the summons, treating it with contempt. And they went away, one to his farm, another to his business while the other seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and even put them to death. Hearing this, the king was infuriated, and he sent his soldiers and put those murderers to death and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding feast is prepared, but those invited were not worthy. So go to the thoroughfares where they leave the city, where the main roads and those from the country end and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out on the crossroads to got to, uh, and got together as many as they could find, both bad and good. So the room in which the wedding feast was held was filled with guests. But when the king came in to view the guests, he looked intently at the man there who had no wedding garment. And he said, friends, How did you come in here without putting on the appropriate wedding garment? He was speechless, muzzled, gagged. And then the king said to his attendants, tie him hand and foot. Throw him into the darkness outside where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. For many are called, many are invited, many are summoned, but few are chosen. So Jesus... Is now giving another parable, another illustration of what the kingdom of heaven is like. A king prepares this wonderful banquet uh, to to celebrate uh, this feast. He's inviting people to it. And the Bible says that uh, the people that he invited to it, they scorned the invitation, didn't want to come. Well, the Bible tells us that the people of Israel, the children of God, the covenant people of God, they were the ones that Jesus even came uh, to and, and the prophets came to to help Israel come to God, but they did not receive him as God. As a result, he went out and found those who were on the highways and the byways, those who were not part of the initial invitation, but those individuals were brought in. But then the Bible says in this one verse that I thought was so amazing, it says, verse 12, uh, somebody shows up at the wedding and they're not wearing the right garments. How did you come in here without putting on the appropriate wedding garment? Well, you all, we found out in Revelation chapter 19 that the bride of Christ, that, that those of us who are considered those that will be married with Christ, that the linen or the garment that we wear is not a physical garment, right? It's not linen, it's not clothing. But it's, listen now, listen, the clothes that we will wear in the kingdom of God are the righteous actions of the saints of God while they were on earth. Let me say that again. The garment, the linen, the attire that we wear in the presence of God, it will be the righteous acts that we do while we were living on the earth. Now, you all, I believe that theology or the right view of God is so important. Because if you get the wrong view of God, you actually have a wrong understanding of who he is, how he operates, who we are in him. And there are many people that do not understand these principles as it relates to uh, what does it mean to have righteous acts and what does it mean to be righteous. All right. Now, listen, you all, many people will end up doing righteous like things to earn brownie points, to earn special favor with God by thinking that if I do God a favor, he'll Check off the list and say, "Oh, you just did me one. I'll remember that, right?" So we kind of feel like God has a tally system. He's in heaven. Oh wow, you went to church. Oh, that's one. Oh wow, you tied. That's three. Oh wow, you you sat next to somebody you don't can't stand. Once you return to church, oh, that's five, right? So so we kind of feel like God. Oh, you did this thing. Oh oh, that's minus two. So we kind of feel like God has this ledger, where the things that we do listen earn us more favor with God. And certain things that we do decrease our favor with God. Wrong theology. Listen, you all. Your righteousness, my righteousness, our righteousness, is nothing in the sight of God but a filthy rag. We are not able to earn God's favor nor earn God's love by any action of our own. We are, listen, we are made righteous not by what we do, but by what Christ did, all right? So important. And if you don't get this theological principle right, you guys, I'm telling you, you'll miss it, and you really won't come into a full understanding of it. So turn with me, if you don't mind, to another scripture. Y'all don't mind this, really. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Oh, Pastor, you're always reading so much Bible stuff because we're in church, I don't know. What what are we supposed to read? I'm just saying, I I mean, it's a lot lot of Bible verses, Pastor. So am I not supposed to talk that much about the Bible? Or what? So would you turn? Yeah, thanks. Philippians 3 and 9. It says, And that I may actually be found and known as in him, listen, not, amplified, not having any self-achieved righteousness, that can be called my own, based on my obedience to the law's demands, ritualistic uprightness, and supposed right standing with God, thus acquired, but possessing what's this now? That genuine righteousness which comes through faith in Christ, the anointed one, the truly right standing with God, which comes from God by saving faith. In other words, Our actions don't make us right. Our faith in Christ makes us right. Him being right and our faith in him makes us right. And it gives us what? Right standing. What does righteousness mean? Right standing in the eyes of God. I need you to hear this well. Even if your life is messed up right now, listen to me. Even if you are not doing anything right, you feel like, oh, my God, Pastor, if you saw my life, If you saw how I live Monday through Sunday, you would not think that I would even be worth being around you or anybody if you knew what i do. Let me tell you something. What you do does not determine your right standing with God. What you believe in Christ makes you right. Your right standing with him is your faith in Christ. All right? Now, watch this now. You can know a tree, though, by the fruit that it bears. Which means then, no, your actions don't save you, but a saved person has changed actions. Oh, I feel it today. In other words, what you do does not earn salvation. It does not earn right standing. But people who have right standing with God, their actions begin to show it. You cannot be saved, you cannot be born of the Spirit, and then not do things in sync with the Spirit. Let me just say this to you, my brother and sister that are listening. Here's here's a way to know if you're in Christ. You may not be doing all the right stuff, but don't you feel like a dog when you do the wrong stuff? That's an indication God is in you. It may not mean that you figured out how to work work it out and how to pull back from that, how to overcome that. But one great way of knowing that you're in the presence of God is when the things that you do do not honor God, you're grieved, you're broken in your spirit. Well, you all, we don't get righteousness by ourselves, but we are imputed righteousness by our faith in Christ. That is what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about how much you get it right. It's not about what you do. It's not about legalistic stuff. It's not about showing God how much you've done for him. It's literally by what he's done for you and your acceptance of that. But so what then, pastor, are righteous acts? Righteous acts, they don't necessarily flow from us, watch this now, but they flow through us from God in Christ. Let me say that again. Righteous acts don't just flow from us, our will, this is what I'm going to do for God, No. Righteous acts that are truly righteous in the sight of God, they flow from God through us. There's a song, I don't know if y'all recognize it, the music ministry was playing. It says, uh, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving. I'll be a living sanctuary for you. You know what that means? God, you desire a place to dwell. You desire a place to be amongst your people. Well, you don't live in buildings. You don't live in in, in places made of stone and brick. You desire to live in the hearts of men and women. And so God, Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary now listen when god makes you his sanctuary that means he gets to use you the way he wants to use you oh you better hear me now when god dwells in you then he gets to be a, a, you get to be a vehicle or a vessel by which god who is spirit manifests himself in the realm of men oh you better hear me god who is spirit is looking for flesh that he can occupy and make himself made known in humanity. And it's only through the righteous acts of God's people, through the Spirit of God, that that happens. And the Bible says that when we stand before God, we will be clothed in those righteous acts at the wedding feast of the Lamb. There's a book that, <laughs> was written by a gentleman who is now uh, really one of the leading pastors of our country, but this book catapulted him on the New York Times bestseller and probably still there. It's called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And inside of that book, you all, he mentions something, uh, a concept called shape. S-H-A-P-E. I've asked the team if they could. I don't know if they were able to do this to uh, to actually have this slide available on the screen for you. It's an acrostic that he created uh, many years ago to help people remember uh, basically five factors that God uses, listen now, to prepare his people to have a purposeful life. In other words, uh, this pastor said, listen, when I get ready to disciple my people who are under my care or people who come to faith, I try to help them understand about these five things that God uses to equip people to have righteous acts that can please him. And those five uh, factors or those five tools are these. Number one is shape. It's an acrostic. It kind of, you know, the S, spiritual gifts, spiritual gifts. You all, spiritual gifts are gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit, given by God, and they're only given to Christians. A non-Christian cannot have a spiritual gift because they're spiritual. And only the Spirit of God dwells on the inside of those who've acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, therefore are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit only indwells people who acknowledge Jesus, right, as their Lord and Savior. So therefore, listen, only Christians have the capacity to operate in spiritual gifts in the earth. That means gifts of healing. That means gifts of administration, gifts of teaching, gifts of helps, right? Those are spiritual gifts, and there's so many of them, that are given at the point of salvation at different levels and in different increments and in different uh, measurements to those who are followers of Jesus Christ. I believe with all of my heart that the gift of teaching, if I have that, it was given to me at salvation. In other words, I did not have this gift until I got saved. It is a spiritual gift. Some people say, oh, well, you know what? I, I, I went to school for teaching and education, so I've got the spiritual gift of teaching. Well, you may have the spiritual gift of teaching, but if you got, it, if you got saved and the gift was added to your education or your academic attainment, so be it. But you can't say that, well, I was born with the gift of teaching when I was a child. Well, no, 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 no. You only get the gifts when you're born again because they're spiritual gifts. Are you following this? All right, so spiritual gifts. And I say this, you all, because I'm so excited that our uh, uh, own Cheryl Johnson is getting ready to work with our leaders and many of our other members as it relates to spiritual gifts. As we get ready to return to church, you all, listen. And I need you, sit there, hear me well, hear me well, hear me well, the day will come, not anytime soon, where I will not be your senior pastor. I won't always be here in this position. Here's the question. I wonder how many of you all know that most churches don't really empower people to do what they want to do. You, you, you don't, many of you don't know that because you haven't been to maybe a lot of churches. But there are not a lot of churches that a person can say, you know what? I have the gift of this and I want to do it. And the pastor says, go and do that. Most times you got to go through all kind of hoops and, back and moonwalk back and stand on your head and speak in tongues backwards to be able to even just get an audience with somebody who's on the list to get to the pastor. I don't believe that's the work of the church. I believe that you, as a minister of God, as a called person of God, you know, of course, under the sanction of the church, we need to understand that you're not going to have nobody in some room in a pentagram sitting around drinking blood. and We're not going to have you do crazy stuff. However, we do believe in empowering you to do the work of ministry. And you are, if you have spiritual gifts, those are God's ways of showing his presence to a broken world who needs it desperately. So, spiritual gifts, shape. Second, heart, heart, heart. What, what's your heart? What breaks your heart? Many times, you all, that's what your purpose is. Many times you go out and say, oh, my gosh, every time I see somebody in that condition, my heart breaks. Every time I walk past these kind of individuals, my heart goes out. I believe with all of my heart, if that's your heart, that's part of what God has called you to, what God is preparing you to. Listen, for what his righteous acts through you to them would be. What are your abilities? Last week, I talked about my friend, Daring, who gave me a uh, haircut to look like Mr. T. Because he said he could do all things through Christ who strengthened him. Well, he didn't have the ability to cut hair. Listen, you all, I believe that many times your abilities also give way and give clues to how God's righteousness can flow through you. So, so your, your, your giftedness, your, your ability to work in the kingdom has to do with your spiritual gifting, the thing that breaks your heart, but also your skill set, right? Your abilities, but also your personality, uh, one thing that we've done in our church, that I think, you know, in, in, in retrospect, I have to revisit, is that we place people sometimes in the wrong space based on their personality. Willingness, wonderful people, but man, some people are not always people people. Have you had somebody that's anointed by God, loves Jesus, but ain't a people person? And you bring them around people, and and the fire of God was burning and blazing, but then when they got there, it was like a wet blanket got thrown on the whole thing because they're just not people. Listen, anointed, love God, but just not people people, right? So what's your personality? Are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you a people person? Are you really more behind the scenes? I, I did this on purpose, y'all don't know this, but uh, little Adam Jr. Uh, had him come and move my chair cause I know he doesn't like to do stuff in front of people. Uh, and I decided I'd throw that out even on the internet cause now he's even more embarrassed. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but, 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 what, but what I really also see in him is a leader. What I also see in him is somebody that God is grooming and making to break out of his shell. And so I knew that he might say no to a lot of people, but it's going to be hard for him on a Sunday when he knows Pastor Kerry needs something to say no. If I had given him more advanced notice, he probably would have given me a no, but he knew that, man, this guy got to preach in two seconds. I got to do it. So, and I saw him, and so you should have seen it, by the way. Uh, I was sitting there and I said, yes, yeah, so I just need to make, make sure you move that. till he said, In other words, okay, I have no choice on this. Here it is. Have you seen people sometimes, though, placed in situations where it was totally against who they were? They didn't really want to do it. They hated it. They they resented the fact that you've asked them to do that. Why? Because you did not take their personality into account. (coughs) Finally, shape, spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality. Finally, experiences, your life experiences have shaped how God, listen, your life experiences, good and bad, have shaped how God wants his righteous acts to flow through you. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. And Oprah, uh, along with Prince Harry, is launching a new uh, series on Apple TV uh, called The Me That You Can't See. It's really talking about mental health. And in an interview, (laughs) With one of the networks uh, this past week, they talked about her childhood and her rape and the things that she'd been through. And they asked her, Oprah, would you change any of those things? I mean, if you could go back and if you could rearrange the things that happened to you, particularly those things dealing with abuse and those things dealing with rape, would you do it? And she says, I'm so glad you asked that question. She said, no, I would not change one thing. She said, no, I did not enjoy it. No, it was, it was not an, an easy experience. Yes, it was traumatic. I'm still yet healing from it. But she said this, had it not been for the rape, had it not been for the abuse, my empathy for the broken would not exist. And the platform that I now have globally to make influence in the lives of women and men around the world would never have happened had God not allowed me to have been raped. And then she said, I wouldn't trade nothing for my journey now. Oprah starts singing, I wouldn't trade nothing for my journey now. I said, you better go ahead, Oprah. She said, I wouldn't trade (coughs) anything for the journey that I've been through because what I've been through the experiences that I've had have shaped the person that I've become. And child of God, listen to me, what is it that God, listen, God allowed? Oh my God, why would you allow it? If you love me, why would you allow it? If you cared about me, why would you allow it? If you claim you see me, why would you have allowed it? What kind of God who claims love would let me be hurt the way that I was hurt and let me be wounded the way I was wounded and let me be broken the way that I was broken. Oh, because God knew, child of God, not that he wanted that to happen. That's the result, we said this last week, of a fallen world. Not you. You're not to blame for everything, of course. Sin and the stain of sin and the residual of sin is still at work in the hearts and minds of sick and depraved people, we're not giving that a pass. However, listen, God will take that pain and take that sorrow and take that brokenness and take that dark chapter in your life and allow his spirit to get on you and you will be able to be a wounded healer. You will be able to be a wounded healer. Yes, you've been broken, but now you can bear the burdens of the broken because you know what broken looks like. Have you ever been in a room and you see somebody trying to play like they're okay? You're like, don't play with me. I know what broken looks like and you look like exhibit A to me. You know why? Because God has anointed you to do it. So spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, experience, these things shape us so that we can then allow his spirit to allow righteous acts to come. I'm almost done. Uh, so, so pastor, what do these righteous acts uh, look like? Uh, when, when you talk about righteous acts, what, what, what does that look like? I, I would really like to know. <coughs> First Corinthians chapter three. 1 Corinthians chapter three. Now listen you all, if you have a hard time reading the Bible and turning into, di- my whole life is built on the scripture. Alright. The Bible says that everything the scripture gives us, it, it helps us be profitable in life. It helps us to learn how to judge things. And learn, listen, the scriptures let us learn how to see things correctly through the eyes of God. And so you all, when we turn away from the Bible, we turn away from God. We turn away from how God sees things. So this is what the scripture says: 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <coughs> Verse ten, and for those that are new and wondering, like, why is Pastor coughing so much? I, um, I have struggled with bronchitis for a little bit, and so again, in COVID, that's the worst thing you want to have, is uh, is any kind of. But I'm fully vaccinated. I haven't had any. You know, I ain't got no feet. None of that kind of stuff. All right. So, don't nobody be like, uh, he did like eight coughs. First, that's first, first Corinthians chapter three, verse ten. Hallelujah. According to the grace the special endowment for any task of God bestowed on me. Like a skillful architect and master builder, I laid the foundation. I love this. And now another man is building upon it. But let each man be careful how he builds upon it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation in which we all build from. Verse 12, but if anyone builds upon the foundation, whether it be, watch this now, whether it be with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, watch this, the work of each one will become plainly, openly known, shown for what it is, for the day of Christ will disclose and declare it. In other words, the work of each person will be displayed, declared as that of gold, of silver, of precious stones, of wood, hay, or straw, or stubble. It says, for the day of Christ will disclose and declare it, because it will be revealed with fire. And the fire will test and critically appraise the character and worth of the work each person has done. I don't know about you. this is deep. If the work which any person has built on this foundation, any product of his efforts, whatever, survives this test, he will get his reward. But if any person's work is burned up under the test, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward. Watch this now, listen. Because this is a different view that we have of heaven. Everybody that goes to heaven is going to go, but everybody won't go the same way. Some will go and the works that they have done on earth through the righteousness of God for the advancement of God with a pure and sincere heart. Those will be the linen or the clothing or the garment that will be worn by that individual at the wedding supper. But look what it says in the Bible. This is the Bible here. Listen. The person whose works are burned up, he will suffer the loss of it all, losing his reward. Watch this now. Though he himself will be saved, but only as one who passed through the fire. In other words, you're not going to lose your salvation because salvation is not based on works. But when you don't do works that actually will be seen as that that was honoring to God, none of that will follow you. But those who do work that is honorable to God and righteous to God, the Bible says that is the linen or the garment or the attire of those at the wedding feast. So some of y'all are going to be butt naked at the wedding. Yes, you're saved. Don't tell me I ain't saved. I'm saved because I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He's the only Lord and Savior. Have you done anything for God? No. 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 No, I don't really do stuff for God. Don't, don't, church, don't be calling me. Don't be, church, do not be calling me, asking me to come to the church and do nothing. I got these kids. I got a job. I'm tired. My head hurt. I'm not trying to do nothing extra. That's fine. Have you, what, about, what, what about not the church? What about just going to the hospital? I ain't going to no hospital I'm sick people. I'm, I'm sick myself. What about going to the jail? Because Jesus said when I was in the jail, I ain't going to the jail because they might put me in there, honey. Stuff I done done. So you mean to tell me you're saved? Listen. But if I ask you in the past two weeks, what have you done for the kingdom of God directly from a pure heart, you can't speak to anything? It means that you are not being clothed in righteous acts and if your continued not being clothed in righteous acts continues to be the story of your life yes you will be at the marriage supper yes you will be in the marriage supper of the Lamb but when he says the fine linen white and clean are those who are adorned with the righteous acts of the saints of God, God's holy people, you will not be able to say you have linen because you have no righteous acts. Pastor, it seems like you're trying to lay a guilt trip on me. No, I'm not. I'm in the book of Revelation going verse by verse. So if the shoe fits, hello, Cinderella. I just happened to be there. This is not directly at you. As a matter of fact, if you're feeling deep conviction, it's because you're feeling deep conviction. (laughs) Citadel, specifically, hear me well and I'm done. And I don't know how many times I can say this, but I'm gonna say it again. I'm not administrative, so please don't fault me and try to make me be what I'm not. So I don't know how to administrate people doing stuff. It's not my gift but I need you to hear me. (coughs) Citadel was never intended to be a church where people come to hear a preacher preach. Never was intended to be that. That, um, can't wait to get to church so I can hear Pastor Kerry talk. That nauseates me. The thought of that being the totality of a ministry makes me want to throw up and not stop. You know what excites me? Somebody who says, I want to move into the city because I know what it feels like to feel hopeless and to be a child of God and question why things happened and wonder could God ever use me again because of how broken I am and then found a way to be healed and recovered from brokenness and still journey in it and I want to bring that healing to other people wonder can the church provide an opportunity for me to be a wounded healer when someone says to me I believe that children are not the future Youth are not the leaders of the future, they're the leaders of now. And I wonder can I have a place where I can disciple and develop young people with honor and dignity and not a stepping stone to real ministry, but that that's real ministry. I wonder can I have a platform where music is not just a sideshow or a ramp up to real church but where various genres and various ways of musical interpretation and expression can be used so that people who don't like preaching but like music are drawn to God by the anointing that's on a note. Can I have a space for that? I wonder, is there anybody that has a burden for prisoners who've been locked up sometime because they've been caught up in a system that's been against them from birth? And everybody that comes to visit them are visiting them, and no offense, my brothers and sisters, thank goodness that you're doing it, but they're visiting them in the name of Allah. And the church, who was tasked by Jesus to do it, won't do it. That's the church I want. And that's the church I want to release you to do. When, when do I stand in your way and say, no, don't do that. No, no, don't, don't reach broken people. No, don't do different music. No, don't talk to young people. When do I do it? And some of you all have left the church because, listen, you wanted to be me. And you wanted to be recognized as a preacher and not you. And therefore, when you didn't get the same response because you you rejected the anointing on your ministry, trying to get the anointing on mine, then you end up just being upset because the church didn't receive you. How are they going to, listen, how are they ever going to receive a person who has a ministry to people in prison when there are no churches that have that ministry? There's no template. There's no example for anybody to even go after that because they only go after this because this is all they see. Are y'all hearing me? young people only want to be preachers because that's the only ministry they see of value in the doggone church don't nobody want to be a music minister because that's a hireling don't nobody want to be a youth pastor because that's a stepping stone to being a real pastor can we change this citadel covid shut us down so when we come back we come back, reset. So, what's your calling? <coughs> well, I, I wrote to the church. <coughs> they didn't respond to my email. I wrote you, pastor, as a matter of fact. And you never responded to my call. Join that list. So you mean to tell me that you go, your calling has been, hijacked by a non return phone call? You mean to tell me you're going to stop doing ministry because Pastor Kerry didn't call you back? Then you need to stop. Because if your anointing and your calling cannot withstand a non-callback, then you ain't really called. My pastor, and I'm done. My pastor said to me, when I first started preaching at Salem, I said, uh, I, never to, I, never, I, I never wanted to know when to preach. That didn't really bother me that much when I'm going to preach. He said, man, I, I, I got so many preachers lined up. I said, that's no problem. Guess where I started going? I started going to the street corners and preaching on street corners. Yes. I started going to high schools and asking the schools, can I go, and I would just pull out Jesus and start doing motivational messages that alluded to Jesus. I went to jails and prisons and detention centers because I wasn't waiting on the church to give me an assignment. I was called and called people do it, whether or not they get sanctioned by a church or not. Citadel, we have a chance in Detroit, Michigan To finally be a church that ain't about who's in the pulpit, but a church about who's on the throne. And I really pray that those of you that have been wounded and hurt by church, by us, that you would push past it and remember the call and think about the wedding supper that you and I will stand at one day in the presence of God and when it comes time to wonder what we have on and what we're wearing, could we say that man this linen, this linen was me being in the cancer ward praying for those people who had their last few moments the last moment that they heard was that Jesus loves you. That's my linen. My linen were young people who the world had thrown away because they felt like they were just not worth it. But I decided to mentor, and I decided to come alongside and encourage them and bring them hope and life and laughter. The broken and the hurting that everyone else said is done and we're finished with you. I decided to take the, the arduous journey with them Help them be healed. And now, my linen, my attire, is not my righteousness, but the righteousness of God through me to a broken world. We have an opportunity, church, and not just Citadel, but I'm talking capital C, to be attired. In garments that are bright, clean, radiant, and glowing. <coughs> Not with our own righteousness, <coughs> but with His. Heads about and eyes are closed. I want each and every one of you, as your heads about and eyes are closed, to take a moment and ask yourself the question. What's my shape? What's my spiritual gift? What's my heart? What breaks my heart? What's my ability? What's my personality like? What are my life experiences? And God, and would you take all of those things? And would you use me as a tool of yours in a broken world? For many of you, it's in the marketplace. You don't have to go into church at all. But right where you are in the marketplace, God is and wants to use you. As a matter of fact, what a great thing for you to be the voice of God at the boardroom, the voice of God on the floor making decisions politically. For those of you in academics, being the voice of God for those who need to to hear God's voice for our children and our young people that are learning, wherever it is, I want you to just now to say, God, I, I hear you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would. Allow your church, capital C, the body of Christ, to let our righteous acts flow in this broken world. This world needs to see you. They need to see your hands. They need to see your feet. They need to see your heart, your lips, your prophetic words. And so, God, would you use us, the body of Christ, to be those things? And more specifically, here at Citadel of Faith, God, a church that you started. You really did. This is not man's doing. This is yours. Would you raise up, God, in the name of Jesus, those whom you have called for such a time as this. I come against every demonic and satanic attack on these, your people that you have called for such a time as this Satan the Lord rebukes you you have no authority you have no power and you have no place in the lives and the hands of God's people loose them and let them go to do what God has called what God has ordained and what God has created for them to be and to do and so God I thank you that as we return we return ready to serve (laughs) ha ha We return ready to evangelize. We return ready to be an agent of you in a world that needs you. We give you glory for it and we thank you for it. As heads are bowed and eyes are still closed, maybe you're watching today and you say, Pastor, I'm not in Christ. I don't know what that means to be in Jesus. I just don't know what it means. And let me tell you something. I'm so grateful for your honesty. The Bible tells us that none of us are righteous. No, not one no pastor, no people, nobody's righteous on their own. But the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, he is righteous. He who knew no sin, what did he do? He became it for us. Why did he become sin? Because he knew that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. He says, I don't want my my brothers and sisters, I don't want the children of God to perish. I don't want them to die. So I will die in their place. And I will take their death and I will give them my life. That's it. That's what Christianity is. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's not a bunch of checking the list. It's, listen, it's surrendering to the power and the presence of God in you. One of the great things about having heard what you just had a chance to experience is that your faith has gotten stronger. There's no way that you could have heard this message and your faith has not been increased. But where do we go? How do we move from faith to faith? The Bible is very clear that if you have not really made the greatest decision of your life, which is to become a Christian, you've really missed the great joy of the journey. So wherever you are, if you would like to have a personal relationship with Christ, Do what the scripture says. Call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved. Pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I'm trusting you and only you to direct my life. In Jesus' name. Congratulations wherever you are that means that you have become a believer. For those of you that are already believers your faith is now stronger. Don't be merely a hearer, but be a doer and let's change the world. If you just prayed that prayer, you have an opportunity to reach out to us and we would be honored to serve you and help you in your journey. Uh, please contact us at area code 313-871-FORT or please visit us on our website, Citadel of Faith. Dot o-r-g that's simply spelled c-i-t-a-d-e-l of faith.org all one word we would love to hear your testimonies we would love to hear your prayer requests know that you're in a partnership with us and you're not in the journey alone let's change the world together one person at a time